week five, y'all, we have been voyaging through this, uh, this series, and today brings us to week five. We have a couple more weeks left, so I want you to know that. Um, and today is probably one of the bigger ones, I, I believe, in my opinion, um, as we talk about relationships. Um, and if you haven't heard all the messages, I have to encourage you, please, 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 please go online. Go wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Go wherever you, um, um, uh, or go on YouTube. You can even go on Facebook. Rewatch these, uh, the last four messages. They've been really impactful and really important. And we've talked with folks and have learned from some people just how God has spoken to them and the conversations that they're having about having healthy relationships. I want you to know that um, as we go through this today. And as you, as, uh, remember that the chat is open. In fact, I want you to invite someone right now I think this message is going to be really relevant, and we're going to dive right into it. So if you remember last week, we started a two-legged, uh, we started the first leg of a two-legged mini-series within this whole series. I know that's crazy, right? A mini-series within a series. Yes, that's what we did. And last week, we zeroed in on relationships, intimate emotionally. And we broke down what it looks like for us to emotion, uh, for us for to be an emotional, or to have emotional intimacy, rather, as Christians in relationship. And if you remember what we said, we said that intimacy doesn't have to necessarily be sexual intimacy, and that sexual intimacy is a different thing all by itself. Well, today, we are going to, to be taking a look at sexual intimacy in this second leg of that mini-series within our series, and the title of today's message is Relationships. God's intention of intimacy through sex. God's intent of intimacy through sex. So remember how in this series I've said the whole way, this can apply to any relationship you are in or have in your life. We talked about that in all these messages. Today's message is not that message. I just want to make sure you understand as we go forward. We are not talking about uh, when we talk about sexual intimacy, it does not apply to every relationship in your life. I repeat again. In fact, today's message is specifically for people who are in romantic relationships. And specifically, if we go even deeper than that, if we're looking at marriage, and we're going to kind of juggle between the two and have a discussion about the difference between the two. And I'm going to be honest, for some of you today, you heard what I said, and you said, "Now nah, I'm out. I'm not listening. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm gravy. Like, I, I don't have to listen to today's message, right? You might think that what I'm going to say to you today is outdated. You might think what I'm going to say to you is restrictive. You might just think what I'm going to say to you today is just straight up whack. But I do believe that today's message is timely and necessary. Y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. Sex has been commoditized and, 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 and desensitized in our culture. And with, I think, good reason, right? For a human being, sex is eye-catching, it's intriguing, it's provocative. And you really can't avoid it today in our culture. You can try your hardest, but at some point, you are going to, you are going to stumble across something that reinforces the messages of sex and sexuality in our culture. Kids are being exposed to sex Younger and younger and younger. I remember the first time that I was exposed 
to pornography, and I was, it was before I was 10 years old. That was the first time that I saw it. There are apps designed today, right, that are strictly created for people who are looking for sexual encounters. Having sex and lots of it is seen as human and liberating and free. And I can almost agree with that if it was in the right context. And the context is marriage. Sex is a gift from God for humanity. Make no mistake about it. But sex is a gift from God for humanity within the context of covenant relationship. And there are reasons for that. And we're going to dive through those reasons today. So as we talk today, I need to make sure you understand. If you're listening at home, you're listening here, I want you to understand. If I ever say the word relationships by itself today, if I ever talk about relationships by itself, I'm talking about the relationship between a man and a woman that has entered into a covenant relationship in the sight of God, which is called marriage. I want you to understand that. I don't want anybody to leave here and say, well, Lionel said if we're in a relationship, so what's up? I want you to understand that today as we go through it, okay? And I also want to highlight one more thing. There's a reason why I'm taking this opportunity in our relationship series to talk about sex explicitly. And the reason is, in church, we don't talk about it. We just don't talk about sex. It's not brought up in a healthy way. I mean, I can tell you growing up, for the most part, I think there were a handful of sex conversations that we have, and the rest of it I learned from school, from media, from friends, right? That's just what it is. In the church, we're told you don't talk about sex, or historically we've been told you don't talk about sex, you just wait till you get married, and then you can talk about it all you want. Well, there's a big gap there of life that occurs. So my goal today is to make it comfortable for us to begin to talk about sex early on, right out the gate, okay? That's the, that's the goal for today. I want to remove the stigma that the church has created in talking about sex. We can talk about sex from a Christian perspective in a real healthy and open and honest way. Can I get an amen, somebody? God was intentional about sex, and sex is powerful. Straight up, sex in itself is a very powerful thing. And I want to tell you as we dive into it that, that, that the power of sex is in its purpose. You might notice already. Um, you know HBO came up with a, uh, a, 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 a strategy, a formula when they were creating their shows. When they, when they created their shows early on, HBO was uh, one of the pioneers, I think, when I was growing up in having pretty mature rated content on TV. It was subscription-based back, and it's still some subscri subscription-based now. But at the time, their formula was, okay, in order to hook people, what we're going to do is jam all this sex in the beginning, in the first couple of episodes, so people can come back and watch and be, oh, how much sex is going to be going on, or how much nudity is going to be on in this. And then eventually we'll water it down and get to the real storyline. And that is not only something that was adopted by HBO, but even our current day a lot of our current day um, uh, uh, TV shows still kind of follow that formula. We jam as much sex in it as possible in the beginning so that we can grab you and grab your attention so you can stay with us. See, God gave that kind of intentional power to sex. 
Sex is something that grabs our attention, and for good reason. Sex is literally, literally the power of creation. When God gave human beings sex, he gave us the power to create. And I want to submit to you this morning that the power to create with sex is greater than just creating children. The power to create with sex is bigger than just having offspring. The power to create is bigger than just planning for your family somewhere down the line. I want to submit to you that there's more power in sex than just that. Sex is designed not just for procreation, but also pleasure and connection of personhood. You hear that? Sex is not only designed for procreation to make kids, but for pleasure, literally to be pleasing and have fun, and for connection of personhood, to connect to someone else. You heard some three Ps. I'm going to say it one more time. For procreation, for, for pleasure, and for connection of personhood. Yes, God's design for sex was for us to be able to create or procreate. And we know that this, as, as, as it stands right now, without the intervention of science, it is nearly impossible for humans to create offspring without the act of sex. Therefore, sex in covenant relationship before God is purpose for populating the earth. How do we know that? In, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, 28, God says pretty clearly, excuse me, chapter 2. So God created human beings in his own likeness. He created them, this is chapter 1, excuse me, to be like himself. He created them as male and female. Verse 28, he says, God blessed them. He said to them, have children, so there will be many of you, right? And that's out of the message version. This traditional, ver more traditional version say, and we know this, be fruitful and multiply. Now, some fundamentalist Christians believe, firmly believe, that any sex that is committed without the possibility of procreation is wrong because it removes the power of creating human life. I want to tell you that's incorrect. Yes, God created us to be able to procreate, but God also created sex and gave us the gift of sex so that in covenant relationships, we can create experiences of pleasure between us. What? What do you say? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Understand that God wired the physiology and neurology of mankind to be able to experience intense pleasure during sex. Many hormones and endorphins are released in our bodies that make us feel good, specifically the hormone called, hormone called oxytocin, and it creates a high sense of pleasure when in the act. In fact, science also says that not only does sex make you feel good, in the moment, but sex actually has qualities that are good for relieving pain and being a mood stabilizer. If you have pain, they say sometimes sex can help move that pain. If you're in a bad mood, sex can put you in a better mood because of the chemicals that get released. The Bible also recognizes that pleasure is connected to sex. You have to understand, the book of Song of Solomon is a book that takes the imagery of sex and takes romantic sexual language and depicts it between that, uh, depicts the pleasure and love between a husband and a wife. And Paul comes out straight up in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and he says this, now, getting down to the questions you ask in your letter to me. First, is it good to have sexual relations? 
Certainly, but only within a certain context. It is good for a man to have a wife and for a, a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Did you hear that? Did you? So, 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 so. Clearly, when God created sex, it wasn't just for us to have many babies. It was for, for us to enjoy each other's bodies. God did that on purpose. God wants, God wants for, uh, for, for a man and a woman that is in covenant relationship to experience the pleasure of enjoying each other's bodies. It's part of what he created. Again, under the context of covenant relationship and marriage. And, 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 and connected to that last point is sex creates and fosters a deep connection of personhood. Now, Lana, what do you mean by that when you say a deep connection of personhood? I get, I get the procreation. That's about kids. I get the pleasure. That's about my body and what I feel. But what about the deep connection of personhood? Well, sex allows for us to get to know our spouse in a deeply personal way. It gives a bridge, a pathway, a connection to learning that person on a deeply emotional level. Remember last week we talked about emotional intimacy and we did say that emotional intimacy between people doesn't have to mean that sex is taking place. However, when sex does take place, it often can take an emotional, intima uh, emotional intimacy to a deeper level, a deeper place. Y'all, so there's this misconception that sex isn't emotional for men, that sex is primal, that sex is physio physiological, and that uh, um, when men have sex, that it's simply due to the fact that it's their bodies and they need it and la, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Okay, there's hormonal things that are connected to that, yes, but sex for men is as equally as emotional as sex for women. Because God created us to be wired in that way. What happens because we're wired in that way? It's because as, as a result of people being sexually intimate, those same chemicals that are getting released in your brain can create and bookmark those moments as integral, as pivotal, as monumental for you in your own psycho-emotional journey. And because now those chemicals are being released, it's wired up in your mainframe. And not only do those feel-good chemicals allow for you to feel good uh, uh, physically, they allow for you to also open up emotionally. When we read Genesis 2 verse 25, we get a glimpse into that intimacy and that emotional, uh, that emotional intimacy. We read it and it says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they didn't feel any shame. You understand? Y'all, y'all, y'all. What that means is they were standing in their full physical and the most vulnerable place that they could have been physically. In the, most, in the most open and transparent way, physically. And there was no shame 
between them emotionally. There was no judgment between them emotionally. You see, sex in marriage takes intimacy to a deeper level. Therefore, a man leaves his wife and his mother and embraces his wife. They become one flesh. That's straight out of Scripture. There is a leaving and a cleaving that happens, right? We talk about the cleaving of coming together. Yes, there is an actual physiological coming together of two bodies, but there is also an emotional and spiritual coming together. I want to talk through the difference of how the Bible talks about sex, all right? So whenever we read the scripture, if you go into the old text and you read it, Bible talks about sex in two different ways. It talks about sex in the form of, and here's the first bucket, laying and, and sleeping or going into each other, right? So those are all that first bucket. And then it also talks about sex in the, in the way of knowing each other. Ready? So you saw the difference. There's the knowing and then there's the laying, sleeping, going into. And when we break down those definitions, more often than not, when the Bible talks about sex in that first way, in this first way, that the, the, the laying and sleeping and going into, it's talking about sex in either the strictly natural physiological form or it's talking about sex in, the, in, in, in a way that is outside of the boundaries of what God intended. In, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, when David sleeps with Bathsheba, the Bible talks about sex in this way. Now, if you know the story of Bathsheba, David uh, sees Bathsheba. Bathsheba is Uriah's wife. Uriah is a man in David's army. He's a general in David's army. David automatically lusts for Bathsheba. He ends up sleeping with her, a married woman. And as a result of what he did to hide the sin, he has Uriah go to the front of the line and killed in the line of fire so that way he never knows that he slept with his wife. But David's act was an immoral act, a married man sleeping with a married woman. However, when the Bible speaks about sex between a husband and a wife, more often than not, it is spoken of differently. When In Genesis chapter 4, when Adam and Eve engage in sex, it's described as knowing each other. And in, in, in Matthew chapter 1, the Bible says that Joseph didn't get to know Mary, know Mary, Jesus' mother, until after she gave birth to Jesus. Remember just a couple of chapters earlier when Scripture said the, 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 the one flesh, uh, the, the two shall become one. It's the, one of the few places in Scripture that we see that the Bible actually talks about the joining together of flesh or the joining together of personhoods. It means that in a physical, an emotional, and spiritual sense. Why do I say spiritual? Because remember, even though sex is taking place and there's an emotional and physical connection, when sex takes place under the covenant of marriage, it is done under the pretense of a spiritual covenant between two people, which means that there are spiritual ramifications connected, not only just emotional and physical ramifications. Do we understand what I'm saying there? Sex within marriage takes us to a safe place of knowing our partner, not just 
sleeping with her. Now, you might be saying this, right? You, know, you might be walking with me and hearing me. Lionel, I hear that, but I've been in these situations before, and I'm going to be honest. I haven't been married to my partner, but I, don't, I, I feel the safest that I am with them. Why can't I feel safe with them in, in, in this experience of knowing them intimately while not being in covenant with them, even if it's my plan to be in covenant with them? I know that I'm going to get pushback. Folks are probably thinking right now that, 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 that it should be okay, that this is all right. Remember, culture has told us that sex is simply biological. In fact, our bodies are hardwired for sex and physiological releases and that we don't have to have an emotional attachment. Or if we do have an emotional attachment, it's okay to do so because if we truly are committed to someone, it's okay for us to engage in sex without the covenant of marriage. But the, the, the thing is, even when you do that, there isn't a spiritual covenant, a spiritual contract, a spiritual obligation. And without covenant, sex cannot be truly freeing, liberating, and whole. Why do you think that the porn industry is one of the biggest industries in American society? Why is it that relationships are so quickly broken when someone steps out sexually? Why is it that men in their 20s, 30s, even 40s and 50s will do whatever it takes to get sex, and why is sex wielded as a bargaining tool or even a weapon by both men and women? It's because that sex is being had and is happening outside of what God designed for it. And because sex is powerful, and instead of trying to revere it, and honor it for what it's supposed to be, we have disarmed it, subdued it, and brought it under human control. God's intent for sex in marriage is for freedom, not fear or restriction. And again, the church has not done a good job of talking about sex in marriage, they, uh, sex at all. They tell you don't have sex until you get married, and then you get married, and they don't give you an instruction manual, and no one talks you through anything, and no one talks you through the weirdness and the awkwardness, and no one tells you what you need to do and what not to do. And if you didn't even get married and you're still single, no one tells you how to abstain. They just tell you you have to abstain. No one tells you how to walk through and stay pure and do what you need to do to not engage. And I don't want to use the word pure because that could be that's connected to the purity, uh, the, the purity movement of the 90s, and that did a lot of damage. What I want to say is to stay right and walk with God, right? And how you do that without abstaining or without engaging in sex. What I want for us to understand today is that God actually wants for us to be free when we have sex in marriage. Now, a lot of people say, well, if I'm, if I'm married to one person, like, how do I really know who I am sexually? If I'm having sex with one person, how do I know who I am sexually? How do I know who I am? How do I know what my, my needs are? Okay, you can have that mindset. And maybe you want to go down that path and do what you want to do. Let me warn you beforehand, if we're talking about relationships, sex outside of the protection of marriage can get messy, disruptive, and I'm going to add one more word 
and destructive. Sex outside of what God intended can have a lot of negative consequences. We see that even in the Bible. David sees Bathsheba. He's lusting after her. He goes and has sex with uh, with, with a woman that's not his wife. What happens? He ends up killing a man. That's a consequence because of the fear of not wanting to be found out. David has a baby. As a result, David and Bathsheba have a baby. As a result of having this baby and being out of sin, God allows for the baby to pass away. That's a consequence as a result. That gets really messy and disruptive and destructive. Abraham wants to have a baby. He wants to have a baby with his wife, uh, 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 Sarah, but she's unable to have a kid and they're getting old. So he actually takes one of his servant girls and lays, the Bible says that he lays with her or goes into her. He wasn't supposed to have sex with her. God said that he was going to have a baby with Sarah, not with Hagar. They end up having a baby. They have the baby Ishmael. Ishmael and Isaac, if you understand your biblical history, it is believed that Isaac is, of course, uh, one of the forefathers of Judaism, and it's believed that Ishmael is actually one of the forefathers of Islam. They go down two different tracks. There's big tension between the two groups as a result of what Abraham did. Messy. Samson goes and sleeps with Delilah. He has sexual exapades with her, and there's an emotional connection that develops between him and Delilah. He's not supposed to cut his hair, and the Philistines, who Delilah's a part of, actually says to him, hey, if you love me so much, if you truly care about me, you would tell me what your secret is. And he finally tells her the secret because his heartstrings are pulled upon. What happens? She cut his hair in the middle of the night. The Philistines come, they take him, and he's imprisoned. He loses the power of strength that God gave him because of the sex that he engaged in. Sex gets messy outside of the context of marriage. And it came with consequences for all of these men that they were not ready for. The same for us. I'm going to just be honest with you and blunt with you and open with you. When sex happens, we can subject ourselves to unnecessary heartache, unnecessary pain, unnecessary baggage, unnecessary frustration, unnecessary disappointment, unnecessary disruption, unnecessary destruction in our lives as a result of the consequence of having sex outside of covenant relationship marriage with another person. And it opens the door for an an emotional door that was designed for one person that we are in biblical covenant with. That's where some of the consequence also happens. But on the flip end, I don't want to just talk about how, 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 how negative, right? Because that's what happens if you, talk, if you have sex before marriage, blah, 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 blah. But I want to talk about what the sex within marriage actually looks like. And God actually wants for it to be freeing and open with the person they are married with. Listen to Colossians chapter 7, verse 33 through 35. Uh, uh, excuse me, Corinthians chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 33 through 35. But a man, a married man, is concerned with how he can please his wife. A married woman is concerned with how she can please her husband. I am saying these things for your own good. I am not trying to hold you back. I want you to be free to live in the way that is right. You hear this? I'm going to say something to you that has never been said out loud. Excuse me, I don't know if it's never been said, but I've never heard it out loud from a pulpit. Sex in the right context in marriage creates freedom to be and do with each other, to be sexually intimate with each other in a way that best 
meets each other's needs. Sex in marriage allows for us to be free, to be free of shame, to be free of stigma, to be free of judgment, to be free of the worry of, 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 of outside consequences. It allows for us to connect with someone on a deeply intimate level because the covenant of marriage serves as a boundary, as a safe zone for your relationship. Let me say that one more time. It serves as a container for sex to occur in however it occurs in your relationship because you are willing to know me emotionally, because you are willing to walk with that person spiritually on a deep level. It leaves you free to be able to please each other on the deepest level. So I want to I wanna walk through some things and, and play this. I want to give a shout out to, to uh, Michael Todd. He talked about sex being a container, and I'm actually not sure if he used this actual example, but I believe that it's something that could be beneficial for us to visualize, and I'm grabbing all the, the things. It's pre-made right here. So as you can see, we have two glasses of two different colors, and I, I believe everyone can see that. We also have this container. It's a Pyrex. I don't know if my wife knew that I took this. Sorry, but I took it. You know, Pyrexes are really important. They're like, don't lose your Pyrex. So the Pyrex is serving <laughs> as, as the, the container for marriage today. And as we look at it, we have these two glasses, and let's say that, that the red glass is the man, and the, this purple glass serves as the woman. And this man and this woman have entered into a covenant relationship. And this bowl, this container literally serves as a, as a symbol of the covenant relationship. So if these two people have entered into covenant relationship with each other, this man and this woman, it mixes. Now, the color is a little different because we've taken the, we've literally taken, right? Remember the Bible says, the two shall become one. We've taken the color from one, the essence of one, the, the, the personality of one, and all those same things from the other, and we've mixed it and we've created something new. And what happens is this container serves as a safe zone for sex to occur. And what I mean by that is in the safety of this container, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, we are free to learn and enjoy and express each other. And let me, express, let me explain why. If I take this and I put the lid on it, this is contained. This is safe. So I can do whatever I want with this. I can shake it. I can mix it. I can toss it up in the air. I can roll it across the stage. But the thing is, the thing is, what is in here stays in here because this container is a safe zone for what has been combined within this covenant. However, what happens if I don't have this container? And I'm actually not going to do it but let's say that this lid serves as a plate, and we put that here. And now we take these liquids, and we pour them on. Now what happens is, sure, 
The liquids can be held in this space. But what's going to happen is it's not as safe. It's much more volatile. There's more room for mess and mistakes, for spilling and disruption. And if that happens, it's going to require a cleanup because this container was not built to control the power of sex. So as we finish today, I want for you to walk away with this in our relationships. Covenant marriage, covenant marriage before God is vital in order to ensure the highest level of safety and freedom in your relationship. And what that means is, folks, you need to accept God's intention for sex. Don't listen to what the word tells you because I am sure that nearly all of us can remember a time where we have considered or gone along with the conventional wisdom of what the world says sex is and we have the scars to prove it. Accept God's design for sex as a powerful tool for, create, for creating, not just creating life, but creating pleasure and deep intimacy, but only in the right context. And be intentional about your boundaries. If you're going to let someone know you on the deepest level, you best be sure that that person is going to be committed to you for the long haul. You best be sure that that individual before God has made a covenant of marriage to stay with you through thick and through thin, through better or worse in richer or poorer to stick for in sickness or in health to stay beside you that person must be ready to see you and know you in the biblical sense completely vulnerable in the spiritual and emotional sense before they earn the right to know you on the physical sense y'all work at your boundaries know your temptations know your temptations know your temptations like know your Know what's going to get you. I had to learn what my temptations were in college. I knew there were certain things that would get me immediately. I knew that there were certain things that would pull me. Because of what the world told me and how I was socialized, I had to learn and I had to work at having boundaries. Communicate your needs to refrain from sex outside of marriage with your partner. Have a conversation with your partner. And, 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 and let that partner know, it's not because I don't love you, it's not because I don't like you, but it's because I want to revere what God has intended for this, and I want what we have to be beautiful, and I want what we have to be free, and outside of the context of marriage, we run the risk of doing damage to both of ourselves. And if you are married, talk about sex. If you're not married... Talk about sex with trusted people who are married to be able to be led in the right direction. God created you to have a freeing, pleasurable, liberating sex life. And the church hasn't talked about it enough, but we need to change the culture so that way people can have healthy sexual relationships moving forward. Now, I want to speak to the person right now who's listening, and perhaps you have engaged in sex, and you're like, all right, so this ship has already sailed. The other thing that the, that the church did a really bad job of is taking sex and elevating it as the worst sin in the world. The Bible does not make a difference between whether you, uh, you, you, you lie to your partner about that dress, how it looks, whether you cheat on your taxes, or whether you have sex or step out of your, your relationship or you're having sex outside of the covenant of marriage. 
The Bible does not make a distinguishing thing. It says that all sin is sin. But what I want you to also recognize is it's a human struggle. It's as a result of our flesh being weak. But if you bring yourself before God and you're willing to start all over, he can restore what was broken and, re and restore what the locust has taken. He is willing to walk with you if you are willing to commit yourself to a place of, until I get to that place, I'm going to stay, stay away from this. And when I get there, I know that I'm going to be ready to have the kind of sex that God intended for me to have. You can do that today. You can do that right now. You can make that decision and know that God honors it and know that he sees it and know that he walks with you as you commit yourself. So one day walking in what God intended for you to be sexually. So right now we're going to pray and go before the Lord and we're going to pray this prayer in two different ways. We're going to pray it in one way and, and, and say, Lord, we ask that you give us the strength to be able to, to persevere and stay strong as we, as if we are single, as we voyage through sex, Lord. And if we are married, to be able to have discussions about sex and have liberating free sex as you've intended. And then we're going to pray about it in a different way where we say if we are in relationships and this is a place that we've struggled or a place that we have challenged, there is no judgment, right? I'm not here to condemn you, right? I want to see you win. I want to see you grow. I want to see you be the best self that God has intended for you to be with your partner. If that's the person that God has given you and you can restart and refresh and renew even today. Let's go before the Lord and pray. Father God, right now we, we come before you, Lord. And first we pray that you give us a heart and a mind that is changed to understand what it means for us to be in sexual relationship as in under the covenant of marriage, that we can have a freeing, full sexual life, Father God, with the person that you have given us under the context of being married and joint with them in spiritual covenant, Father God. We pray for the married couples right now that might be listening to this. Remind them, Father God, that you say, Father God, your word says that you want for their experience to be freeing and open and pleasing, and you have given them the power to create. Father God, allow for them to have conversation that brings their sex life to its full vitality in your name. And Father God, we also pray for those that are single right now that are hearing this message and they want to commit themselves to this lifestyle. Father God, give them the fortitude and the perseverance and the growth in character to be able to learn, Father God, accept what you intend for them, accept what you have, you've intended as marriage is concerned, Father God, for them to create the specific boundaries that they need, Father God, to not stray to the left and to the right. And Father, to be able to have healthy conversation with those who are married beforehand to develop a, a Bible-conscious relevant and real understanding of what it means to be sexual beings in Christ. And Father, I pray for those that are in relationships right now or navigating through life right now, Father God, for those that are hearing this message and they're saying, I want to restart. Maybe my past, I've done things, or maybe even in my current, I've done things, but I want to start all over because I want to get what God has envisioned for me. Father, we give those people to you right now, Lord. I want them to know, Father God, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Father God, and if they give themselves to you, Father God, you see them, you forgive them, and Lord, you restore them, and this can be the point where they move towards what you've intended for them in their lives as sexual beings, Father God, in Christ. We thank you, Father God, for restoration and forgiveness, and we thank you for the journey that you will take these people on. We bless you, we honor you, and we praise your name. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
and amen. God bless you, people of God. God bless you.